0: This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rate It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers. Uh, I might be a
1: little outspoken here. We have policies and systems that really are, in some cases, incredibly frustrating for a new student, a new employee
0: to navigate through. That's the voice of Peter Wagstaff, He's a senior marketing lecturer and academic at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. And I'm Michael Momsen. So, Michael, today we're speaking to Peter about customer experience in higher education. It's a really fascinating chat. We ask the question, who actually is a university's customer? We debate the reasons why bureaucratic organisations struggle to provide great experiences... And Peter shares a controversial opinion about why it's sometimes actually good to make a student's life difficult. Before we jump into the interview, it's worth noting that Peter commonly goes by the name Wags, and he was also one of my marketing lecturers. So, you might hear that come up. So, uh, Michael, you had the first question. You asked Wags to tell us a story about the best customer experience he's recently had. A book that
1: I was looking for, and I uh, I was online looking for this particular title that I wanted to buy, tracked down a, um, a retailer in the UK through eBay, and I um, thought, oh, I'm going to save a few dollars, and, and they're promising quick turnaround delivery. So I ordered from this place in the UK, and it was a Sunday night, Wednesday morning, two and a half days later, the book was in my hands. Wow. And it just was... One of those things that just totally blew me away. I saved money. The book found its way to me fast, just far exceeded my expectations. I got what
2: I wanted at the best price in the quickest possible time. How would you think about customer experience? Like what would you say is is a great, not only example, but definition of customer experience?
1: I like to think of customer experience as really that overall interaction that I have with the company, the brand, the retailer, whoever it might be finding them initially mm. through to browsing their, the options available through them to ordering, to paying, to receiving delivery. It, it even extends beyond things that many marketers consider to be within their control. good example of that was this book was delivered to a, uh, an Australia Post 24-hour Dropbox. I know that wasn't fully within the control of this retailer, but it was part of my overall experience because mm. they were prepared to deliver through those means. Mm. It's really all-encompassing.
2: You mentioned how you think about it from a marketing perspective and, and you teach uh, marketing. I'd love to hear about how you think about customer experience from a marketing lens.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a really interesting area because the whole CX customer experience um, field of study, if we can call it that, I, I think has really been driven over the last, what, five to ten years or so, not so much by academia but by industry. So we're seeing the likes of Gartner, Forrester, McKinsey, PwC, These uh, big names out there in industry-based marketing have have really driven it. But it borrows from so many other areas of academic research in marketing. Your question is, how do we teach it at university? I think we've been teaching it for decades, but under all these other different names. Mm. All the textbooks talk about taking the four Ps and extending them to the seven Ps uh, when we're talking about services as opposed to tangible goods. So those extra three Ps of people, process, and physical evidence They've been around for decades, but I think they really are are some of the core elements of of what CX is all about. For decades, we've been studying consumer behavior, services marketing, Hmm. um, CRM, customer relationship management, uh, brand management. So these are sort of the micro components that I believe contribute
0: to this overall field of customer experience. Is there kind of any academic research about what customer experience is? Like, is there any consensus on even like a definition? Until recently, there really haven't been single
1: definitions on CX because it does cover so many smaller areas where we, we have some very rigorous definitions and, and concepts that have been studied for decades and
0: decades. Customer experience generally becomes the responsibility of the marketing department, but it's not always the case. Improving the customer's experience is everybody's responsibility, but often nobody's job. Quote Adam Jaffrey, 2017. (laughs) 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 But, uh, like, I think that really rings true, that statement. And, you know, you're talking about it from a marketing perspective. Like- As academics, does this kind of concept come up in other academic research for management or for operations? And what kind of department within the university is actually teaching customer experience? Does it fall under marketing, you know, your responsibility, or should it be somebody else? Yeah,
1: it clearly is marketing, and it has been for decades. Mm. Um, I'm going to go right back to a a bit of academic literature uh, from 1955. Uh, The author was Abbott, and what Abbott said back in 1955 was – what people really desire are not products, but satisfying experiences. Mm. That's from a textbook titled quality and competition. Now, back in the 1950s, marketing was really about production. Uh, the marketing textbooks in the 50s focused on, on how to manufacture products
2: primarily. And it really hasn't changed a lot since then in terms of,
1: yeah, it's, it's about the overall customer experience.
2: You know, when you shared your story of what came to mind as an excellent customer experience, some of the things that you used when you described it was basically how it exceeded your expectations. Expectations have never been higher. The demand for attention from a marketing standpoint's never been tougher to get cut through. Um, you know, where, <laughs> you know, our attention spans contracting and like, I mean, you can't even advertise to me on free to air TV anymore because I don't watch free to air TV. So I'm, I'm interested in from a marketing standpoint. How much of it centers around exceeding expectations? And then how do you think about that coming to life as you talk to your students about it?
1: I think this this whole concept of expectations is something that is constantly changing and mm. uh, accelerating. I mean, I think as empowered consumers, we now have access to so much information, to so many more options out there available to us. So, I don't have to walk into the local bookshop now. I can go online and and shop around the world, find the best price, the best quality product. And I've now got so much more power than I used to have 10, 20 years ago. Now, interestingly, and I think there's some parallels here, a lot of the the recent literature in customer experience is uh, in the retail field. So, retailing has been at the forefront of this. Having said that, I think retailing is often at the forefront of of many aspects of of marketing.
2: Mm. It's the human interaction, right? Like it's the to a real-time view of what is very emotive. Exactly, it's it's the coal face where where the consumer is dealing face to face
1: with uh, with the marketer. But that's that's almost the easy bit. Mm. It's a bit of the iceberg above the surface that you can see. Yes, that's when the, you're dealing directly with the customer. There's all those other touch points where it's not as obvious, but those touch points still form a critical part of the experience. From the, the delivery guy that drops the parcel at my door Yes. to the reviews that I read on Facebook or or Google. Yeah,
2: you know, that's a good point because it's almost like you could nail the actual interaction at the point of purchase, but then if you screw up on a returns or the way that you honor my gift card, if it's out by, you know, it's expired by a couple of days or what have you, all those elements are, if, if anything, more important because my expectations are maybe a little bit lower, so you have an opportunity to surpass it and therefore delight. When you think about teaching marketing, because you could nail all the right brand messages, you could have all the right campaigns, you could pull it across all the right channels, digital. You could have like beautiful PR, and then yet screw it up with a bad returns policy, or you know these other elements that you mention, where where it's really your time to shine, in the context of you know getting students ready to go out into the real world and <laughs> get ready to become a future CMO. Are these topics covered?
1: They're becoming. More prevalent. Um, Historically, I'll admit, no, they haven't been. Mm. Too often, universities have focused on the theoretical, those very sort of um, high-level theoretical frameworks rather than the nuts and bolts of of dealing with customers. But we're seeing more and more, for example, digital marketing now is finding its way into most marketing courses. And with digital, you have to go beyond the the face-to-face interactions with with consumers. The review and rating sites out there now are part of customer experience. Yes. Outside the control of the brand.
0: When universities are thinking about their quote-unquote customers, let's assume that students are the customer of a university. Let's maybe even just start there before we go any deeper. Do universities think of their students in that way?
1: (laughs) Oh, this is a big question. <laughs> um, and some parts of the university, yes, well and truly, students are customers. But there are many parts of the university that um, are the complete opposite. Students are not customers. Mm. Can we unpack that a little bit? Like, what, what are some examples? I've got a very strong view here that I believe students are customers. And that that's a, a customer-centric view of if a stakeholder believes they are a customer – then they are a customer it's all about the stakeholders perception so we've got students here who are paying fees now they're maybe not paying them up front but they're building a huge hex debt so they will be paying for their education even though it's not the full cost of education And i think uh, the, the federal government subsidizes around about two-thirds of a, a domestic student's uh, university fees but um but while students perceive themselves to be paying to receive a service they see themselves as customers. Now, this is a big shift we've seen over the last 30 years. Tertiary education was free mm. until the late 1980s. And back then, it was a lot easier to argue that students weren't customers because they weren't paying for service. They were, they were part of the production of their own knowledge. And in fact, that is still the case. It's very different to many industries where customers have a series of demands and organizations do everything they can to meet those demands. But in, in education, it's our job as educators sometimes to make a student's life difficult.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're, telling, now,
1: you're telling me this now, Ags. Now, when I say, maybe difficult not the right, uh, right word there, but we have to put you under a little bit of pressure. Is it for the learning opportunity? Well, it's, it's part of the motivation as well. I mean, mm. it's, you're not at university just to get a piece of paper at the end. I know some people believe they are, and they're the ones that see themselves as, as pure customers, but you're actually here to learn. And to learn, you actually have a huge role to play yourself as a customer—an input into your own learning—and that can be painful sometimes. It can be those those endless nights that you spend up uh, working on the assignment, or or trying to understand a difficult concept, or or having to work with with a a group of people that maybe you they didn't have the same work ethic as you. Um, so yes, education can be painful for the student sometimes.
0: Wags, can I ask maybe then? what the rationale is for not viewing a student as a customer, maybe taking the contrarian view uh, or, or adopting a position that other departments might have within a university.
1: Maybe it's, it's the stakeholders that are contributing the, the revenue to a university. And in many cases, that might be the federal government. As I said, two-thirds of a domestic student's fees come from the federal government. Why does the federal government invest in education? Obviously, to improve the, the knowledge of the workforce, which improves their employment outcomes, which uh, improves their taxable income in the future, so there's a long-term return to the government if there's a more educated society.
0: Instead of asking whether there's an academic definition of what customer experience is, maybe we should have started with if there's an academic definition of what a customer is, <laughs> yes. because that really impacts all the decisions that get made thereafter. As you were talking, I was thinking, well, of course, the federal government is another customer and right. they have an experience with universities. They are not involved in the teaching component whatsoever, but they're Forking out a hell of a lot of money.
2: Oh, or the, <laughs> the parents. The parents may be the customer.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. how do we define um, customer, stakeholder, or whatever it may be, before we kind of ladder it up to a customer's experience?
1: Exactly. And this is where it's incredibly complicated, where you've got this uh, multi-pronged business model where we're dealing with- Students as customers, as Michael said, parents as customers, the government as a customer. In some cases, for example, our MBA courses, in most cases, it's the employers of the students that are paying for the MBA.
2: So we've got employers as customers as well. Yep. i be interested in, in touching on the experience from a student's point of view. I think one of the things that we see in business actually is we're using very, very modern, well-made tech products where they've obsessed about user experience onboarding making things insanely easy to use and then a lot of people go into the workplace and then have to you know fight these clunky enterprise tools or processes that you know just haven't been modernized in the same sort of way that we do with products that we use every day and there can be this sort of gap this sort of frustration gap i'm interested in what your view is on from a student coming into university whether they feel some of that that pain and that angst how universities think about that from a user experience
1: yeah, and I think universities have got a lot to learn. Uh, I might be a little outspoken here. Um, Great. But I, I'm not, <laughs> not only referring to my university, but I think all universities yes. are the same. But it's uh, – look, they're huge bureaucracies. If you mm. look at the size of, of most large universities in Australia, they are massive. And as soon as you mention the word bureaucracy um, with a, an old organization – I mean, my university is now over 50 years old. Right. We have – Policies and systems that that really are, in some cases, incredibly frustrating for a new student, a new employee, to navigate through. A small example of that: most universities have uh, what are called learning management systems, LMS, Board, Moodle, <laughs> uh, Canvas, and LMS, yeah, which are designed to. Well, <laughs> some of the marketers of these LMSs say that they're they're student centred and so on, but. Unfortunately, what happens? They end up just being a repository of content, right? And they're not not even close to what students' expectations are. Interesting. Uh, an eighteen year old starting university these days is is so um, mobile, social savvy, and then we force them to use an LMS that is is really um, a long way from their expectations of of what
2: interaction should be. Their experience of the university. Is the tools that the university are providing, but then the student has to fight with these uh, tools or these, you know, um, and then if, if you have a limited choice, there's only, I suppose, a handful of market leaders that you could, you know, standardise on. Do you take this fight to the LMS uh, providers to say, hey, like, you guys need to up your game around that user experience? Of course. Um, I'm, I'm
1: often attending uh, education conferences and talking to the, the designers of these LMSs and, and so on. It's, it's yeah. But… There's a there's a simpler solution, and that is um, we've got the freedom and the ability to use other tools out there as well. For example, last semester I set up a Slack team uh, oh, for my digital marketing students uh, because I just wasn't getting the level of online interaction I wanted through the uh, the Moodle LMS. So by having this Slack team, uh, we're we're getting students engaging with each other through a tool that they're likely to be using in the next few years when they're out there in industry anyway. And that was just incredible. And having the flexibility to be able to jump into those tools outside the ones that aren't working is spectacular. I think by doing that, it sends a message to the LMS designers that they really need to lift their game.
0: Mm. I just want to do a bit of a quick fire round, Wags. Um, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to, uh, to answer the, the following questions each. So uh, let's see how it goes. <laughs> Uh, First one, if you could change one thing from any industry to improve the customer experience, what would it be?
1: Okay, the thing that really pisses me off is when I walk into a bank, which is very rare these days, but you know those few times you have to go in to hand a check over the counter and the first question you get from them is can we help you with some insurance or would you like to oh yes that's good can we sign you up to some other shit Yeah. piss off if you looked at
2: your system in front of you there you would see that I already have a home loan through oh nice (laughs) boom (laughs) what books, resources, podcasts, blogs do you recommend or have made an impact on you
1: I'm finding industry publications so much more useful than than academic publications here. So some of those that I I listed before, um, Gartner, Forrester, McKinsey, um, Harvard Business Review.
2: Yeah, that's excellent. PwC even
1: does
0: some good stuff as well. Whenever we talk about customer experience, I think we always have to talk about expectations. Mm. And when we're thinking about students going on their journey through university, their their enrolment and and their education and all the assignments and, you know, this this is like a four-year, I guess. um, It's a four-year journey. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to not use the word journey uh, because I don't want to use jargon and, you know, customer journey. But it really is. It's a four-year journey that they go on and they experience a lot of things throughout that time. What do students expect from this journey and how does that maybe conflict with uh, what they actually get?
1: Many and varied. I think we have to be careful here. We don't generalise too much. There are many students that, that do take the journey quite seriously and they, they work hard. They, they are there to learn. The other extreme, there's some students and, and you just have to go to any of the, the Facebook groups where you see at this time of year, we're starting semester very soon. We see endless posts in in these student groups on Facebook from students saying, can someone recommend an easy elective for me? I want something with no exam, not much work, no textbook to buy. I just want the quickest, easiest elective. And that's a a common view. We're seeing it so often, students asking this question. What's the quickest, cheapest, easiest way for me to get that piece of paper at the end? So that's one extreme. So, there are some students with that expectation and I I actually see it as our role to try and change those expectations, to convince Mm. these people they are
2: here for a lot more than just a piece of paper. Yes, you almost have to teach someone how to be a great student. Like, the, the, the goal is not to necessarily just walk away with the paper or get the official you learnt this, but you're actually going on a genuine learning journey yourself, which means challenging yourself and you wanting to um, put yourself in some of these positions where you take on that yeah. sort of riff on what Adam was talking about in terms of expectations. And I'm interested in where there's opportunities to exceed and to delight. How can a university do that two-day delivery and go, oh, wow, I-, I was expecting to fight on this process or I was expecting this to be more painful or I was expecting this to be boring or whatever the expectation may be. Uh, where are the opportunities to delight? I'm going to stay away
1: from the administrative side of, of the bureaucracy, uh, but from the, the academic side, to me, the, the delight can happen in challenging students to do something different. Mm, nice. And as a result of doing that, and in some cases, working hard at that task, a small example, um, I, I've in my digital marketing unit, I have students um, write a blog throughout the semester. Oh, great! We so set up a WordPress blog, and we want them to reflect and engage in dialogue with other students through through this blog. Uh, for me, I think that delight happens when, at the end of semester, they get their results, but they continue to work on this assignment even after it's over. That's fantastic. They continue to blog, and to me, that is a very clear message that students are, are actually delighted in in having something meaningful to do in their their twelve weeks of a, a unit they're not just having to write an assignment that's meaningless but they're actually doing something that that they see so worthwhile they're going to continue to do it
0: i'm kind of interested in how you play off those different viewpoints of like how do you give somebody what they need which is going to actually lead to them having ultimate growth the better experience in the long term but you have to put them through some pain in the beginning and what role does, you know, uh, a provider of a service, I'm using inverted quotes here, uh, a, a the university have uh, in, in doing that?
1: There's actually some educational theory on this, uh, which I'm going to throw at you. And that's uh, an author from many decades ago. His name is Vygotsky. And he proposed this theory called the zone of proximal development. You might be a, a PlayStation fan and there's you've got your favorite game. And this zone of proximal development talks about finding that right point between being too challenging versus being too boring. You've got to find that midpoint. If the task is far too difficult that you're not going to be able to achieve it, then you give up. If it's far too easy, it will be boring and you'll give up. So those sticky video games are the ones that are really cleverly in that midpoint. When they start to get boring, they ramp up the difficulty. When they start to get too difficult, they'll give you a free step through to the next level or whatever it might be. I think education is very similar. We need to do that, but in a progressive way. So, early years, you'll find that zone of proximal development needs a lot more support to to find that that point. As we progress through, we need to step up the challenge, but not make it impossible, but also at the same stage, not make it boring.
0: That's fascinating. I I wonder how other industries can maybe um, apply that same theory. How do you Because, you know, in in, uh, user experience, which we're going to get into in just a second, but when we talk about user experience, it's all about making things seamless and easy for the customer. But maybe too easy is actually too boring. Um, So, I wonder how you can find that midpoint. Maybe we need to be hiring, like, neuroscientists and things like that to help (laughs) create our products and services.
1: You you go to a sporting event, for example. Uh, If it's just so one-sided, you're going to get people leaving before the end. Yeah. That's- fans of both sides the the side that's winning and the side that's losing it's those nail-biting finishes that that hit that sweet spot that uh that keep the customer engaged till the end i think it's finding that sweet spot in any industry if you're continually delighting all the time then expectations change and you then have to delight even more and
2: that can be difficult to continually chase to just switch gears a bit, I'd love to, while we have you, touch on this this concept of UX, so user experience and, and customer experience. But if you think of UX, I feel like that's becoming more and more important in a marketing world, in a digital marketing world. Are you teaching UX as it relates to, to digital marketing uh, today? We're touching on it, but we're not doing it in a big way. And I think
1: uh, the challenge we have in, in a digital marketing unit with only 12 weeks, um, it's – it's very difficult to get down to that level of detail. So we expose students to UX design, make sure they understand the importance of it, but they're certainly not doing any any of it hands-on. It, it frustrates me that we're not able to go into a lot more detail on, on this in, in a university course. It's an example of this constant tension that we're always facing between being theoretically based versus being applied. Mm. And so often, I want to shift down into this applied direction, but then we'll miss a lot of the, that core theory that's important.
0: Wags, you said to me the other day that, and I'm going to quote this, you said, too often UX people lose sight of the real reason they exist, and that is to improve CX. So, I thought that was a really interesting quote, but I want to kind of unpack it a bit and, and get your perspective. Like, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I guess that the UX people being too product-focused, not being enough customer-focused. When I say product-focused, their product is their app, their system, their website, whatever it might be. And to me, when someone is talking about CX, but then I hear them focusing on the app or the website without stopping to think about all those other parts of going to use that J word again, the journey, mm-hmm. <laughs> then I think they uh, can sometimes lose sight of, of really why they are designing this Apple website. Because ultimately, it's about getting the customer what they want when they want it. Mm. And sometimes it's not just about the information. A university website, for example, it doesn't exist just to give people information. It exists to support the real reason that people are engaging with the university, and that is for education.
2: Because if I think about like great UX, like quite often where the foundation lies is that they've thought about what the user's both either trying to do or they're thinking about where they're at and where they want to go or what they're thinking or what they're feeling. It it sort of um, mirrors great marketing as well, actually. Like, you know, great marketing is thinking about how it's relevant for me and what it is that I want as opposed to the message that you want to share. You know, Maybe that's a good, a good place to kind of wrap up how we think about UX, CX and, and marketing together because at the core of it, what we're saying is we want to make it as much as possible centered around the user or centered around the customer um, and taking their view. So, share our message, we're taking it from their perspective. How do you think about summarizing all these topics coming together, UX, CX and and kind of the marketing messages to take a very user and customer centric view.
1: I'd summarize it in terms of the customer sees himself as a customer through the entire journey from their search pre purchase right through until post purchase aspects of, of the whole buying cycle. As a user, that is just one role the customer plays in that overall process. Mm. And if the UX designers only see the role of the customer as a user, they're missing the entire journey. So, yes, customers are users at times, users of the website or the app, but they are customers in other roles more than just users of the the Apple
0: website. So, stop and think about the entire journey, not just their interaction. Makes sense. That's a really nice summary, actually, about um, you know how we think about an entity can go through multiple different roles, customer, user, multiple different formats. Sometimes you're paying, sometimes you're just consuming. Um, so, we have to kind of think through all of those different iterations of those. So, that's a wrap. So, Wags, thank you for coming on the show. It was heaps of fun. Thank you so much. So, Michael, great interview with WAGS. It was fascinating to get mm. insight into, you know, behind the scenes of how universities and higher education works. This is our debrief section. I wanted to kind of have a bit of a chat. Like when WAGS talked about this idea of knowing who the customer is, like who is mm. your customer? Um, I think the quote was, uh, if a stakeholder thinks they're a customer, then they are a customer. mm. What are the repercussions of that? Like, why, how do we bring that to life in, in in business?
2: You have multiple stakeholders that are customers. So, whether it's the end user, it could be your distributor, it could be your supplier, it could be many folks internally. So, I think it's good to go, okay, who actually sees themselves as a customer of ours and therefore approach it that way. To make it actionable, I think it's actually maybe about just
0: doing a bit of a internal thought process of like, who, who do we answer to and who thinks that we're answering to them? Um, so, right. you know, internal stakeholders are actually part of that. and exactly. As well as customers externally and, and maybe actually just do a little bit of an exercise.
2: His opening story around what was a great experience for him and the thing that was really memorable, the book delivery from the UK. Yeah. Really the foundation of that, why that stood out for him was because it exceeded expectations. And so, I think a great way to think about this is, When I'm delivering this service, when I'm delivering this product, when I'm delivering this to my customers or my stakeholders, what are the expectations that they're going to have? And in his case, the expectation was, okay, someone clicks online, buys this book, you know, from Australia, he's probably thinking it's going to take four days to get to me, we have the ability to exceed those expectations by doing x. And so I think we've all got opportunities to map out where our customers have expectations. And then you really see that the ones that are memorable are the ones where you have an opportunity, even in just one part of that to exceed that expectation.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Like uh and and just to kind of add to that, sometimes expectations go beyond all the things that you have control over. You know, Wags actually yes. also spoke about um, you know, getting something delivered to an Australia Post mailbox, and that's not within the control of of the retailer or the, the online store that he bought from, and yet it still mm-hmm. formed a part of the experience and the connection that he had right. with that overall purchase decision. CX, we we have to think about the experience the customer has in all realms you know, sometimes they're actually outside of our control. Mm-hmm.
2: And maybe a good way to wrap this up is the quote that he actually gave us from when we asked him about hey, his customer experience for under marketing. And I was quite surprised he referenced a bit of academic literature from the 1950s. And the quote was, "What people desire are not products, but satisfying experiences." And so, again, we sort of can get into the trap of we're delivering a product, we're delivering a service, but actually what we're delivering is an experience, and where we can had that experience go above the expectations, that's when we're in the, um, the great customer experience zone.
0: It's funny. We were trying to do one takeaway each, Michael, and, and we ended up with four in total, I think. <laughs> 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 Just to sum it up, the first one is who is the customer? Um, know that. Uh, you know, that's, that's the ultimate truth. Right. Two is about how exceeding expectations and figuring out ways to always think about how to do that. The third point is realizing that the experience the customer has sometimes is actually beyond your control and through channels, you know, with a a retailer or or a delivery method or something like that. And then the fourth is that that really great one-liner, you know, what customers desire are not products, but satisfying experiences. So, those are our four takeaways from uh, this interview with WAGS. If there's uh, anything that you thought that was a great takeaway... We'd love you to send us an email. I'm adam at wavelength.audio. And I am michael at rateitapp.com. Great. All right. Well, thanks so much for hanging out, Michael. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. Thanks for listening. Customer Experience Leaders is a co-production of Rate It, the market leader for on-the-spot customer feedback. And Wavelength, Podcasting Strategy and Execution. Our producers are Nick Jones and me, Adam Jaffrey. This show is edited by Josh Armour from ArmourPod Productions. Special help this week from Tommy McCubbin and the team at BE Media. Our music is by iColics and Peter Cooley. If you liked this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps out a lot. Coming up next time on Customer Experience Leaders, we talk to the General Manager of Brand and Customer Experience at Country Road about the impact of their loyalty program.
2: It's more about what it enables you and that relationship between a customer and the brand. For me, that's the most important thing.
0: That's next time on Customer Experience Leaders. I'm Adam Jaffrey. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you in two weeks.